0: I'm glad you're here. I'm media disruption developer Kai Hubris, and this is Cast, now where science meets technology meets you. With me, as always, is Professor Rowan Metallark from the Simon Amy Institute of Spirit Science. Hey there, Rowan.
1: Hello, and harmonic scintillations from us to you, the listener,
0: this evening. Uh, yeah, Harmonics, they're so important these days, now more than ever, uh, personally. Uh, Rowan, are you getting the, the proper configuration of harmonics have you been getting those recently
1: i am immersed in many things harmonic and aharmonic, at a given time Mm. do they do and they don't cancel each other out when they when they combine they do and that that is where so much can be gleaned is Mm -hmm. you know it's not the sound of the temple bell where you reach enlightenment it is the silence afterwards it's the space between the anti-notes that makes the biggest difference and that is my viewpoint on harmonics but something very interesting did happen this last weekend i mean
0: tons tons of interesting things happen all the time rowan
1: yes well fair enough but something of note which is the mm. unicor unicode consortium ah uh, yes convoked for the first time in several months right. at the very least and
0: i was i was paying close attention to this because as you know rowan i am a unicorn unicode geek I geek out about that stuff all the time. When I see them walking by in their robes, and I see them on the televisions and on in pictures with their robes, you know, I just can't help but you know giggle. I make memes out of them, you know, all 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 those sort of typical things that Unicode geeks do.
1: Well, if there were to be a sort of a a an organization that brought about the popularization of new media Truly. it would be the individuals who created emojis and promulgate emojis mm-hmm. and uh, determine what is worthwhile of being rendered in an emoji and this is what yeah. is happening now emojis
0: in, is the is is the original new media it, yes
1: absolutely uh and so right now in mountain view california they have hmm. been convoked together in their headquarters they are doing a very secretive ritual. Not much is known about it, but no. uh, a a vote is cast, the candidates of which we are not, we do not know. That no. is never disclosed. And now
0: I know what I want to be voted in. Oh,
1: what well, what would that be?
0: It's, a, um, I I would prefer a much larger cup. The cups are just too small in the emoji packs. I would prefer a much larger one, maybe one with lines. And maybe conveniently placed holes in the cup for jokes and things. But the but the thing is, Rowan. The reason I love the Unicode Consortium is that they they believe in the emojification of culture, and I believe in that as well. But we are a far far away. We
1: are we are many years away from the full emotification of culture well you know it's sort of a representational hieroglyphic language that we're seeing unfold in front of us and as a language one needs to have representations of all things that are extant and mm-hmm. perhaps even some concepts so i do see the possibility of the emojification of of the of the culture mm-hmm. of language, but it's going to take a while and I'm looking forward to the, the process as we go through it. Uh who knows when it'll be selected. It could be tomorrow. It could be months from now. Uh, but when the black smoke comes out of the chimney right at the consortium, we'll know who it is.
0: And some still believe that if you look closely enough at the black smoke, the emoji appears.
1: Well, that's just an old wives' tale. I, I, I would, know. I would venture. I, I oh,
0: this I, sounds like something you would almost certainly at least be somewhat curious about. no?
1: I would be curious about the cultural underpinnings of that legend, certainly. <laughs> oh, I see. Um, but it, it, speaking of language mm-hmm. and changing our understanding of language and just what is going on with language. Rowan, Rowan,
0: what do you have for us today in our tech sci investigation show?
1: Yes, uh, I have another Eureka review Ah, uh,
0: today. What is that again?
1: This is a part of the program where we like to discuss interesting work, scientific, Mm -hmm. technological, um, uh, whether they be books or... Very uh, rarely are they books. Uh, magazine articles mm. sometimes. Um, that sort of ilk. I see. Um, so you're
0: saying Eureka Review is is a book that you have.
1: Eureka Review is a segment that I am going to do now about oh. a book that I brought in uh, that I thought would be worth visit, visiting awesome. uh, through our platform and to, to discuss about.
0: Right. Some books are great. And I'm looking forward to hear your, hearing your Eureka review.
1: Yeah. So what I have here is The Mind of the Crustacean, ah. colon, deep Water Intelligence by Jack Violet. This mm. is a much older work from my personal library. Uh, for these, the okay. last time we did a Eureka review, I brought in a book that had just been published. This, on the other hand, is from the late 1960s. Uh, oh. 1967 to be exact. And it is the groundbreaking summation of research being done or that was done on interspecies communication. And Ah. in particular, this is a great time to bring it up, not just because of the timeless nature of its contents, Mm -hmm. but crabs are sexy now.
0: Crabs are very sexy right now. I can't imagine a thing that's sexier
1: right now than crabs People, especially in sort of this scientific and science fan Mm -hmm. sort of area, carcination is hot it's very hot right now and right. so we might as well talk about crabs and this pioneering work done we might with as well crabs. do it
0: we might as well finally do it
1: so for background, Doctor Violet mm-hmm. designed and constructed a habitation for himself and a family of two hundred twenty-four crabs. That's a lot of crabs. Uh, yes, on the coast of Castle Rock, Maine. Uh, this compound uh, featured ankle-high water on the floor mm-hmm. uh, and climbing holes to allow the crustaceans to sort of traverse the walls and ceiling.
0: Fascinating, like, sort of like a, a like a cat run, like a, like a cat structure or something, but mm-hmm. for crabs. The
1: idea was that Jack really wanted to be immersed with right. the crabs that he was living with he he wanted to suss out and try and overcome the cultural barrier that he perceived between their um what he thought was a high likelihood of intelligence right. and our arguably intelligence he wanted to be the first person to be able to make contact with in other species in an intellectual manner and and he set forth to do that over eight years living amongst the crabs attention attempting to teach them to communicate what uh primarily and and this
0: was and this is with maybe like
1: sign language or, or something um writing uh for event uh, at first and then it moved to keyboards in the last couple of years wow yeah uh obviously communicating vocally is sort of a a separate issue with regards to the physiology of most crabs um and specifically the crabs that he had access to apparently right
0: right. and what, what kind of crabs what kind of crabs were did he have access to
1: it might be easier to Say what crabs he didn't have access to. Wow! It was it was a very wide pool, certainly, a truly a full family, and 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 so living, um, and and being amongst the crabs, mm. he he had really a series of adventures. Essentially, <laughs> um, I mean,
0: as as many scientists do, I imagine Darwin had some great adventures living amongst the, uh,
1: the the birds in Madagascar. Oh, absolutely, of course, and you know this being the 60s and him being a man of very interesting sort of philosophical concepts was mm-hmm. also experimenting with um sort of like isolation tanks and uh other uh you know communicative sort of meditative avenues mm-hmm. of of exploration sure point being that's what this book is about that is about his studies his findings and some of the things that happened along the way on his journey i could not possibly summarize all of it in the time that i have but there's a few highlights sounds like a veritable odyssey it really is um some some of the really interesting stuff that I, at least i found interesting hmm. including his uh experiments with crabs placed in isolation chambers uh, amusing lsd anecdotes of which he had a lot quite a few You just
0: break into in the middle of the book
1: um of course i mean that 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 is often how you find yourself engaged in an lsd anecdote in the first place right uh a, a particularly emotional segment of the book deals with his Process of coping with the death of his favorite specimen, a horseshoe crab named Pleiades, and uh, some rather lurid material that I actually, I can't speak about on this program, but Mm. if uh, it's very... It's very interesting to read about. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I, I can uh, imagine. B- but to get back to the question at hand, um, which is the findings of his study, did yeah. he manage to communicate with crabs?
0: Was did he successfully? Was he successfully the uh, the Jane Goodall of crabs, as it were?
1: Unfortunately, no. But mm. and here is the big but. As as science has many big buts, he said, in his estimation, that it was not because of a lack of intelligence. On the part of his subjects, these crustaceans, he just felt the experiment had been halted prematurely. And to briefly touch on that for a bit, um, some of that previously mentioned lurid details that got into the book uh, sort of leaked to the press and ultimately resulted in a lot of funding drying up, which is um, when you have the full context of what occurred isn't really that bad. But once again, we can't speak to it on this program, so...
0: Yeah, that's that's very unfortunate. I mean, imagine I can't I can't I can only guess at how much scientific research has gone undone because some you know, quote unquote controversial or, or as you said, lurid uh uh events took place during the course of the research. I mean, that's just something that happens sometimes. Right,
1: know? right. And people get very squeamish when it involves crabs and I, uh, it's it's unfortunate but truly. that's completely and utterly be, beyond what we're here to talk about yeah uh your review
0: your review of the book you said that the findings were cut short what do you think about the text as a,
1: as a whole rowan uh it really is an excellent window into the man dr jack violet and mm. and he is Actually, rather famous in the spirit science sort of fields, because after this, he did go on to do a lot more experimentation, not just with interspecies communication, which mm. was a lifelong passion of his, but also um, interspecies art. You oh, know, one of the first people to really take seriously the notion of perhaps giving paint to chimpanzees Mm. and and that sort of work additionally um his work with regards to lsd isolation chambers meditation uh, could they they can and do fill tomes in and of themselves Mm. but um you know i just it felt it seemed like a great time to bring it up uh right so so the so you're you're
0: saying that the the listener can can go out and, and and read this for themselves uh rowan they can get. I'm sorry. What is what is this book called again?
1: Uh, this is, of course, the Mind of the Crustacean: Deep Water Intelligence. I see. So you can
0: you can get that up at, at pick that up at any any major bookstore.
1: Um. Well, no. Uh, as I said, this is from my personal collection. Um, and it is so, out of print. So, so, Rowan, you're saying you went thirty to years out of print. Thirty years out of print. Yes.
0: So you you went you went to your own personal bookshelf, and you you what what. What? Why? Why did you choose this book in particular? I well,
1: mean? it just seemed like a good time for it.
0: And it's a great book. I guess. I guess the, maybe the, the 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 spine of the book it, it, it shone down from the top of your bookshelf, a, an image of a crab,
1: and you couldn't help but uh, but connect it to what's going on in the world right now. Well, truthfully, I had it down because I have cited the book in a number of my uh, my work, oh. especially some of my work with my grad students, and particular, I was a I am currently advising a project that is using many similar principles to attempt to influence the shape of, uh, of krill when exposed to uh, instruments music. But that, but that's another once again, that is, I just thought it was a, I thought it was a good read. It's a good read. I, you know, I would encourage people to um, try and find it if they can. Um, I, I often find that you have good luck at your local uh, antique out-of-print bookshop, right?
0: Just, just look for the look for the book with a crab on it.
1: Uh, crabs, plural. I see.
0: Well, Rowan, that was that was truly fascinating. I personally wish, you know, the books that we bring up on this show would be more relevant to not only society because this is certainly a societally relevant book, but but more. Accessible to the citizen science scientists out there looking for the book.
1: Well, I, I have have and will go on the record of saying that I think that a small amount of gatekeeping is necessary to academia. Right. I, it I, makes I, you want it more. I it, it, absolutely,
0: absolutely. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Rowan. But it's now time to move on to my story, my Eureka moment moment for this week, and this is something that probably many citizen scientists would have heard of already. As we said before, innovation is at a staggering high in society currently, and I foresee it only going up, what with the new media that I've been investigating. So I'm here to talk about a story. Actually, I'm really here to ask a question to the citizen scientist out there, and that is, can we work in our sleep? And that's my eureka moment for this
1: week. Well, going into that just on the face of it, and I did mm-hmm. I did touch on this but i think the general consensus to that would be no and i think the the corollary the follow-up to that would be um i really don't want to so with that in mind please continue
0: well as scientists we some we always we always get these answers from you know people that say no but we say but what if and that's why i'm here to bring us bring a story about how a professional lucid dreamer, with the help of some researchers from Iceland, successfully filed an important work document in their sleep. A revolutionary revolutionary accomplishment for the field of sleep science, certainly.
1: Well, I suppose it is for uh, conventional sleep science. Because I can say from a fact that I have a number of test subjects that i know of personally back mm. at the simon amy institute of spirit science sleep center ah that have incredible incredible gifts while sleeping and can move objects in the room they, it's 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 really quite fast but can we, they yes um of course we cannot publish that information as it would cause such. a panic okay Once again, it's the issue with gatekeeping is that the people who need to know know. But anyway, please continue.
0: Right. So this story focuses on, you know, pro lucid dreamer Dosen Gutra, who is an Icelandic dream streamer and pro lucid dreamer who streams their dreams on YouTube, Twitch, and more recently, Gamma, uh, the the service only hosted on the text box chapter Gamma. Um, so what happens if you don't know who Dosin Gutra is? They are a, uh, they're, what they do is they stream their dreams on these services um, because they have exceptional control of those dreams. So fans will watch them sleeping, they will make payments to their accounts, and they will request Dosen to dream specific things. They'll write down where they want Dosen to go, what they want Dosen to do. And Dosen will then, through electrodes hooked up to their head, They will be told what they need to do, and they will dream those things. And then they will speak out loud the narrations of exactly what they're doing and where they're going.
1: Now, at risk of being a bit of a cynic, a bit of a skeptic... As you are. What is the likelihood that perhaps this individual is just not asleep making all of this up?
0: Oh, they're definitely asleep. You can see their heart heart rate monitor is right there they they know just like your fitbit knows that you're asleep these streamers know that that dosen is asleep i mean i don't know like you're going to have to have to come up with some huge conspiracy if you're claiming that dosen's faking all
1: of this well i don't have the we don't have the time for that but we, we don't. um
0: so but but i mean dosen and the other thing is dosen is a much better uh, claims to be a much better storyteller when they are asleep and that's what makes them such a such a hot yeah,
1: such a professional such a pro streamer so this professional has been used or was participated in a a filing I'm sorry I think I've lost I've lost Washed the thread lost the thread there yeah. yeah
0: well yeah let me let me let me get you back on track so this is the subject this was Dosen Gutra and researchers have been you know experimenting with dreams and the the idea that one could work in their sleep for years now, specifically, some researchers at the Raesvek Sleep School uh, in Iceland, uh, they took this to heart. Um, they believed that people are better, better critical thinkers when they're they're asleep, and it's been proven that people are about thirty percent more creative and innovative in their sleep, and their brains are eighty percent freer from everyday stresses, and because of that, they are in a Great, a perfect position to do some really great work. The fact that they're so stress free.
1: Is there not the concern that by introducing work into the dream, that then they might end up being stressed? Is that not a concern?
0: No, not really. I mean, it's absurd, Rowan. Anyway, back to the story. So these researchers reached out to Dosen and they said, We wanted to test this thing out. We think that it's possible. That people can do work. What you're doing right now is you're making money while you're asleep streaming. It's already work already, but let's see if you can do some real, you know, work, work. Some, t- what- some
1: labor, perhaps. Right.
0: And one of the most basic and essential, you know, jobs in jobs, one of the most tasks in jobs is sorting. Whether you're a coder sorting a database, a handyman sorting all your tools into their little compartments, or a surgeon sorting the organs back into somebody after they've been taken out, sorting is a crucial part to really any occupation, so what they did was they hooked up, once again, hooked up those electrodes to Dosen, but this time they hooked it up in a, in a specific configura- configuration to a Linux interface, and then Dosen went under. And I'm going to read you the transcript of what the, the scientists recorded from Dosen's time under.
1: With regards to the, uh, the this Linux interface? Yeah, so to speak. It was oh. printed out in a readme file. Oh, okay. All right. Yes, please. So
0: we 3, 3.05 p.m. Subject appears in a faded black leather kimono in the middle of the dreamscape number four, Luther's Pub. 306. Subject orders a whiskey sour and performs a snapping finger motion manifesting into dreamscape number eight, the Amber Highway, and climbs on the back of a fluorescent horse, revs the engine, and revs the engine for several minutes. 310. Subject rides down the Amber Highway, wind blowing through hair, cresting on just under twice the speed of light. Hmm. 3.15, subject notices a tall, slender visage on the right with flaxen hair swaying in the breeze. The outline is silhouetted in the kaleidoscope sun.
1: This sounds like a pretty good dream so far, honestly.
0: I mean, they have a total control. 3.16, the subject stops and approaches slowly, manifesting into a black and silver tuxedo and sends the sun careening down into the horizon. They grasp the character on the shoulder, and it turns around, uh, showing the character is revealed to be Hector, Research assistant, holding out three manila envelopes. The subject proceeds to examine each for several minutes, reading through them silently. 325, the subject chooses file A, then grabs hold of a passing eagle and flies to the dreamscape number two, work underscore docs underscore directory city. 330, subject races frantically through the city, uh, populated by walking office supplies. The subject begins, uh, then begins sub- submitting a uh, volcano in the center of the city labeled Admin. 334. The subject casts the file into the burning lava, s- lava successfully sorting the file.
1: No. Wow. First of all, wow. Um, because that is... I was skeptical about the notion of a professional dreamer, but I mm. cannot... I have experimented with lucid dreaming. Um, I was Haven't not we suited for it. Uh, and but the amount of control and the level of detail that's being achieved here is simply phenomenal. Yeah.
0: And in uh, as little as little as 30 minutes that file, that file was successfully sorted.
1: Well, we are running low on time, but and and not to diminish the mm. the really quite interesting results that you've brought here, but 30 minutes to do one task seems excessive perhaps. Well,
0: again, we think we can speed these up a lot with time and you know, practice. But, and, and you know, this as the software gets better, we're definitely going to get better at doing this. But the thing is, if you can do any work while you're sleeping, that's just, you know, work above the gross. Like you're, you're you're already, you're already doing better than you were doing before, if you think about it.
1: You know what? That is an excellent way to look at it. That really is. It, you know, little things like that do add up, presumably. Mm-hmm. Um, All right. But, We are nearly towards the end of the first portion of the show. Yeah. Um, And
0: uh, and this week, before our special feature, or before our special feature in the second half, I do have something for everybody to think about as they they take some time uh, during the break. And that is, I have, once again, a few more data points, a few more pieces of information, a few more facts that I've collected from the Chicago Neighborhood Database. large expansive database of every single neighborhood in the city of chicago
1: all right i am always very fascinated to hear some of these because chicago being what it is there's so many neighborhoods out there that each have such a unique characteristic and bring something so distinct to the table that you honestly forget about them and you forget about the little nuances that make them so great and exciting right so uh please kai take it away okay well uh, the first one
0: is that the Chicago Learner has voted Hyten the most disruptive neighborhood of
1: 2021. Wow, that's pretty early on too.
0: Yeah, they're pretty certain about it. Next one, less than 66% of the community
1: gardens in the Pullman-Born neighborhood are literate. That's a uh, that is that's tragic. It's, that 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 you know this sometimes what makes a, a neighborhood interesting and unique and right and and rememberable is not necessarily a good thing. Right.
0: So many people want community gardens, but they're not really asking the big questions. And that is whether those community gardens are literate. Next one. Nearly 74 percent of the cannabis
1: shops in the Triangle Lulane neighborhood are colorful. That I can attest to. That I, I do have personal experience yeah. with. Um. That that seems... It's a sight to behold. If anything, that number seems a little bit low to me. Right. Uh, and the last one is,
0: according to census data, the near Humboldt neighborhood has the lowest rate of street horses of any neighborhood.
1: And you know what? This might be a controversial opinion. Yeah? Good. Um. Yeah,
0: we don't need them anymore. I hardly ever see any of them. So... I congratulate Near Humboldt for you know doing what everybody thinks is right. It's about time.
1: Uh so with that out of the way, um we are going to go to a short station break. We will be back very shortly with our special feature, Hack Your Health, how to optimize your lounging. Mm-hmm. So please stay tuned. <laughs> Attention all citizen scientists, we are looking for your findings for the first ever Citizen Scientist Conference to be broadcast live here on Eureka Cast. now, 8 to 9 p.m. on March 20th.
0: If you have citizen science to submit, go to awcyfm.com slash EurekaCast, go to the contact page and submit your citizen science there. We are looking for all sorts of citizen science. We're looking for technology, we're looking for engineering, we're looking for uh, electricity, spirituality, nutrition... Deeper understanding, anything at all. Anything, we will be peer-reviewing it on March 20th for inclusion in the
1: Citizen Science Journal. Eureka Cast Now. Inspire curiosity. Imagine science. And we are back.
0: We're back. Welcome back, everybody. And for this special feature, this is one of my favorites. I think this is going to be a recurring feature, and that is Hack Your Health. Optimizing Your Lounging.
1: And to be specific, you don't mean bringing back lounging, optimizing or lounging specifically as a recurring segment because we'll we have some pretty definitive ideas on that already. The idea right. being hack your health, yes, because we both agree that health and wellness are extremely important. And beyond that, a very fascinating and constantly innovative, field of science and technology. Right, and frankly,
0: I personally believe that everything can and should be hacked to some extent.
1: Well, we can may disagree on that, but we both felt it would be a very worthwhile thing to talk mm-hmm. about lounging.
0: Lounging. It's so important and so very often overlooked.
1: It's easy to overlook because in a lot of ways, it's so ubiquitous. It's right. You're constantly immersed in it and you're constantly in many cases doing it right uh but before we get too far into that there does need to be a distinction made between lounging and sleep
0: right we need to find our we need to define our terms here sleep and lounging are technically two forms of rest but there is a specific there is a very strong distinction between what is considered lounging and what is considered sleep
1: right lounging in my mind right. uh, is the umbra that surrounds sleep and sort of sleep as this edifice and the shadow it casts is lounging right it's it,
0: like it's like there you can sit you there is REM sleep there's deep sleep lounging is a, a thing that happens before sleep
1: even occurs it's no and some people would call that the lounge stage. yeah the lounge uh, hours and 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 but kai i know that you have some specific data that you're bringing forward but as a light worker Mm. and an accredited naturopath sure i feel compelled to comment on issues of wellness such as this because they are so important and it's part of your oath people are yes one of my many oaths to help educate people and alleviate suffering and so if i may I just want to take a moment to discuss between healthy relaxation or lounging and unhealthy relaxation yeah, I mean, or the, lounging. And this
0: is important. I'm glad you brought this up because we have reason to believe that almost 60% of Chicagoans uh, – it's possible that all, almost 60% of Chicagoans are – Lounge deprived, they haven't been getting their essential daily lounge uh, requisites. Well,
1: many neighborhoods, especially on the east side, find themselves in lounge deserts really where getting access to good, healthy lounging is uh, very, very difficult, right? But so, to set the ground rules, and once again, to educate people who might not know that the harm that they are doing to themselves, mm. good lounging or relaxation is at its core. A little stressful. Certainly. You have to be mentally present. You have to be mindful. You have to be vigilant to maintain your best wellness benefit from your lounging time.
0: Right. It's kind of like it's kinda like there's actually three in, in the fight or flight response, there's actually a third lounging response that so many people forget, but it's probably the most important.
1: Absolutely. And and there are deep, deep roots to what the human body accepts as lounging what it evolved to how it evolved yes. to lounge and so when you think of what unhealthy lounging looks like right. think, just you think can, about it you can think of things that are so far removed from this primordial this this hunter-gatherer yeah. lounging that we evolved the, to be
0: the citizen scientist things would have come to their mind uh things as simple as you know sitting on a couch
1: or watching tv Uh, sports games reading romance novels video games all these are activities that that sort of numb the mind and diminish your inner light frankly in a general sort of way uh and 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 this is scientific fact uh, it's it's well established well established and on the other hand one might wonder what does healthy lounging look like and and these are going to be things that spark the imagination that lead to growth and sort of having an active lounge things like <laughs> it's so important to maintain an active lounge things like cherishing a loved one or pet True. writing a poem mm. participating in a cultural exchange tending to a succulent making real connections these are all things that are good lounge right te- tools being good in- lounge techniques being involved with the community keeping
0: house things like that yeah,
1: yeah. and so with that out of the way, those are just sort of big picture concepts, and I just I really, really needed to bring that up for anyone who might be so woefully ill informed and be hurting themselves and perhaps the people in their care through their negligence, right? Uh, and I'm
0: and I'm very happy to give give Rowan that 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 soapbox to talk about their feelings and ideas on. Um, but if we want to get to the science, the true science behind it, it is recommended um, the Chicago Health and Safety Commission does recommend that adults over the age of twenty two get forty five minutes of lounging a day. And they also, you know, recommend that children and young adults get between one and one point five hours a day of lounge or lounge adjacent activity.
1: And these are based off of, I'm assuming, government sort of estimates and Right, large... it's like the food pyramid. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. It's gonna be different. It's gonna be a little bit different for everybody, but that's those are the those are the averages. Um, but from a productivity standpoint, it's been found that adults don't start suffering and, and lose the ability to carry out their daily work and tasks until they start getting less than thirty minutes of lounging a day, um, which is which is horrifying. There are people that there are so many people out there that are just not getting their requisite thirty minutes a day.
1: Thirty sounds so low, low too. Even the recommended of forty five minutes that's you know, as you so aptly put the food pyramid, you right. know, it's similar idea of like or the My two, 2000 calories is enough to sustain you and keep you alive but it's not enough to lead a comfortable life it's not certainly any way to be healthy in a real terms right and i feel that's similar to the 45 minutes criteria where you can subsist on 45 minutes of lounging but surely more is required to have any quality of life Yeah, i mean this is also this is
0: also the same government organization that said you need eight hours of sleep which we all know is is
1: not untrue, but certainly... Certainly less true than one would think it would be.
0: Exactly. A great a great way to put it, Ryan. Um, so the thing is, from a productivity standpoint, 30 minutes is all you need if you want to... If you want to continue to do your work and your tasks and, and not lose any of that crucial productivity uh, in your life. It's been found from rigorous scientific research that the body does allow you to however and and this is this is sort of going from the fact that even 30 minutes for a busy scientist for a citizen scientist even like yourself who are listening you might not find the time in the day to to dedicate 30 minutes to lounging you know we all have those bad days we all have those bad days where we can't fit in a lounge oh
1: certainly certainly it's um miserable but it does occur
0: exactly so that's why um you know evolutionarily We've started. Uh, we we've been given the gift of being able to bank some of our lounge time for a, quite a long time. So lounge banking is is something that works, and you have to do a lot of work to figure out how much you're going to lounge and and how much you're going to bank and stuff like that. You know, work on the spreadsheets, but it's something you can actually do. Well,
1: I imagine it's going back to the evolutionary purpose of lounging and sort of that context right. i imagine that there would be times where early man and woman would for be sure. out on in the Savannah being completely unable to lounge for no. long periods of time so a mechanism with which the body can build up a a surplus a of lounge, lounge bank. pain a yeah. lounge bank perhaps um and then dole that out over periods of famishment of yeah. not being able to... it makes sense it makes a lot of sense to right. me is all I'm trying to say
0: yeah Um. yeah most definitely uh, it's been discovered that you can bank a total of 10 lounge hours every month hmm. which can be used later on again these are averages but you know around 10 lounge hours you can bank for up to several months and you can use them at you know years down the line lounge hours even carry over to the next years um, but after accruing 200 lounge hours you can only bank about five lounge hours a month so it's sort of a a, a steep drop off hmm. you can still bank you can still bank quite a few over your time you know lounging some people bank until they retire and then they just coast on that lounge it's important to remember that these are average lounge times though most lounging is done inefficiently you're not using the most for your lounge you're not getting the most lounge hour for your real world hour so to speak. If it's good quality lounging, you can nearly double that efficiency. So you can lounge for 30 minutes and get one lou- whole lounge hour. Hmm. But if you're not in a good like you said, if you're not in a good environment, if you're not lounging in the appropriate ways, you can cut that, that down to like a half or even a third.
1: Well, it's it's just a matter of exactly a wasteful sort of attitude to lounging as opposed to doing it mindfully.
0: Exactly. You need to you need to mindfully mindfully lounge. You need to feel your body accruing those lounge hours. Um, and there are two major components. This, was, I mean, this is a little bit more of a scientific explanation to what Rowan said at the beginning, but there are two major components for getting the most out of your lounge, to having the most optimal lounge. That's what we're here to do. We're here to optimize our lounging, remember. And that is, is that the first one is environment. So where you are when you're lounging, what you experience, things like that. So, um, for the optimal environment, you want your eyes to be exposed to only about sixty percent of the luminosity, um, the the luminescence around you, as compared to your skin. There are many different ways that you can achieve this. Maybe some sort of uh, tinted glass or something in front of the, in front of your eyes that is not in front of your skin. Hmm. Um, something like that. I'm, I'm sure they. I'm sure they, they sell or you can somehow make or fashion something like that. The next one. So that those are those are your eye senses. Um, now your nose senses. You want to be. There are many different things you can be smelling. There are definitely. You, we've experimented with smelling lavender and cinnamon and all these different things. In, incense, I would hope as well. Right. We've we've tried all the different smells, and we realized that the most the most optimal scent to be lounging to is the smell of say salt water.
1: Well, that that to me, I am somewhat. Uh, concerned and confused oh. as to how that was the case because, uh, speaking from my experience and sort of the naturopathic understanding sure. of
0: the established uh, naturopathy nathropa- of uh
1: of lounging is that you want to have incense. There needs to be sort of a smokiness that that optimal healthy lounging occurs in for uh, with many other smells besides salt water not to disparage salt water which has its purposes but i'm just where did where 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 did you get that how do what did you do a full we did a what f- I, we did full full tests i just i would love to see the candidate um the candidates that you put forward for this study i'm just it's you know i'm we, yeah, I, we, we primarily yeah we primarily
0: put yeah, chicagoans and i mean this may even be a cultural thing i don't i don't know to what extent culture plays into it i don't think a lot because culture doesn't tend to affect science very much but you know from from our from our hard data from our tests we've realized that no instant really compares to nice natural salt water well i we can
1: we can agree to disagree agree to disagree certainly not chlorine Let's agree that chlorine. Well, chlorine. If I if I'm lounging, I don't want to be anywhere near chlorine. I don't want to be in the same room as chlorine. I want to be in the same city as chlorine, well, if if at all possible.
0: So that's so that's the smell. The next one for sounds. We've again we've experimented with different things. We've experimented with chanting, and things like that. We've realized that rolling waves is the, is the most optimal lounge w- sound. Once
1: again, you you bring about this notion that. You you said that you tested chanting, but we have and uh, we did the best that we could. Clearly, this is this is um a, such a wasted opportunity on your part because I have chanting that you would not believe. Um, there is results that we can achieve in meditative states, which is granted mm-hmm. very separate from lounging. It falls within rest, right? right. But. There is enough bleed over to where there is some some incredible chanting that I could have gotten gotten for you for the purposes of this experiment. And I think that would have skewed things in a positive manner. I think it would have.
0: I don't I don't think so. But, you know, you can you can believe that Rowan. We did the hard we had did the hard evidence until you bring us the hard evidence I I'm only going to go what we've done through testing. What there was, is a solve. very
1: specific type of Cajun chanting that occurs really in the bayou outside of Baton Rouge. Where that best I think would happens. I think would blow the listen if there is a people that know to lounge it is Louisianians. They call it the big easy. Consider that point. Being, I, I'm wonderful. Uh, please finish this. Okay. I, I I apologize to keep interrupting. Right. It's just it's, um. Yeah, it's it's okay. Th- these these
0: these findings are very strange to me. Right. Anyway, the optimal sound is rolling waves. The next one, the optimal temperature. So what you're feeling around you, using the the sense of your sense of temperature, you want to be at a temperature of between seventy five and eighty degrees. And on top of that, you want to be experiencing something of a gentle breeze. As you as you sit in this temperature
1: Well you know what I that that seems that seems appropriate that seems that's that tracks that tracks for me So that's environment
0: there is a second uh, qualifier there is a second thing that you have to consider if you're trying to optimize your lounge and that is something that you may not think of something that so many people
1: overlook and that is recline hmm. Now, how do you mean by recline? And I know what you mean, but for the purpose of the listener, what, what sure. do you mean by that?
0: So, I mean, if you think about a standard person lounging, if you think about a standard lounging experience, uh, lounging exercise, you envision a person on a chair with their body tilted slightly back at an angle that is, that is being in a reclined state. And it's been deemed, through intensive testing, that there is an optimal recline state. There is an optimal angle at which your back is reclined compared to your, your legs uh, that
1: gives you the most optimal lounging experience. And measured in terms of...
0: A- angle uh, of inc- incline.
1: A- and lounge optimization being
0: measured in terms of... Of the, of the lounge, the efficiency of the lounge hour. How much of your lounge hour are you actually getting? Fair enough. Fair enough so it's 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 been deemed that that angle of incline is 40 degrees so if you start off laying down if you lounge up if you if you recline up 40 degrees that is the optimal lounge just right before that 40 that that crucial 45 degree mark right under that that's the optimal lounge so just
1: poised to almost slide off of whatever surface you're lounging on yes and
0: again it's it may be a stressful scenario that you have to keep yourself from lounging off, but that you're going to get the best lounge from
1: that. Wellness is stressful. Having good wellness is stressful, and having good lounging hygiene is also stressful. As as once again, to go mm-hmm. back to the gatekeeping issue, but that's right. another discussion.
0: Right. So, forty degrees. What well, we've also found, so as you go down, as you get more into a lying down state. You drop off about seven lounge seconds per hour per degree that you go that you go down. That's per degree. So these are very tight measurements. As you as you get closer to a lying down state, you lose seven lounge seconds per per lounge hour. Anymore after that 40, as you're as you're sort of sitting up to a sit, there's an even sharper drop of 13 lounge seconds per degree. So if you do the math on this. If you're sitting upright at a ninety degree angle, if you're sitting, you know, you're sitting like somebody would typically sit down, you'll have lost more than ten percent uh, of your lounge efficiency as compared to your lounge hour. You're only getting, you know, forty, you know, forty eight or so per forty forty eight minutes out of your sixty minute lounge hour.
1: Wow, that's quite fascinating. Um, it's
0: truly horrifying. So... I couldn't imagine anything
1: worse. So these these this is really quite interesting results that you have brought forward um, with all of this in mind may I then ask what is your lounging schedule like have you used any of these findings in conc- in a concrete manner with regards to how you lounge now Kai
0: Here at Tech Brothers Laboratories worked into our work schedule we do have every single every single month we do schedule out uh, about 10 hours of our, of our standard 80-hour work week to sit in the lounging room hmm. where we've optimized all of the environmental. We, we have a great chair, one chair. We've optimized all of the environmental conditions, and we can lounge sometimes five, ten minutes at a time in between breaks or something like that and we bank that time and we bank that time and we bank that time. And, you know, when we're so few months down the road, if we're really tired of lounging, if we got so much work, then we can just we can just ride through. We can just work nonstop and we don't have to lounge at all. And, and, and it's great. It's, you know, it's again, it's optimized. That's what we are here at Tech Brothers. Whatever we can hack, we'll hack it. Hack, hack, hack your world, as we like to say at Tech Brothers. And uh, hack your health. And, ha- and hack your health. Certainly. Almost certainly.
1: Well, that's really it's it's interesting to see your concept of of what lounging is. And I I, but I'm not going to disagree necessarily with the with the data, even though um once again, I feel as though the some of these environmental mm-hmm. v- variables were uh, half baked, perhaps a little under thought out, could have had some more candidates, could have talked to me about it. And the recline, I have to admit, is i really didn't expect to see that coming and i mm. had never even thought about angle of incline as being so influential it makes sense though it, it really is. does it's
0: probably the most important thing um so don't forget it
1: well that and of course what you choose to do with your time as you're lounging Mm because you can have the most perfect environmental conditions put together and you can do all of the accounting that one would want but if the actual activity while lounging is unhealthy then it's all for naught and i think that needs to be stressed
0: you'll never get into your into the lounge state unfortunately well that's the special feature to end the show, I think we do have a citizen science. Is that right, Sir Erwin?
1: Of course, of course. And this is a very, very fascinating one. Oh. That comes from an individual who is concerned um, or concerns themselves with the existence mm. of giants in ancient times. Giants? Yes. Uh, there is some very interesting, if not compelling, evidence I for see. sort of... In geologic time scales prior, there being several thousand foot tall uh, trees and, and mile-large individuals chopping them down. It's really quite interesting and, and um, I will admit sure. not the most compelling at all times. But they bring up some very interesting points, and this is one of those sure, points. Sure. So, <clears throat> Through history, we are absorbing light and also combusting dense things into huge volumes of gases. We are building excess electrons in the atmosphere, causing global warming, and this is the reason everything has gotten smaller. Pressure. Courtesy of Mud Fossil University. So, Um,
0: the implication is that all the gas is pressing down on us and we are now smaller than we used to be
1: yes yes uh that is under uh, pressure i believe that is the 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 uh coming down the statement being made here and i think it really is quite interesting and uh, i i think there is um a, a germ of truth to this oh I, I i think perhaps i i'm not one i am not an expert in this field right. um climate nor giants mm. but if we were to presuppose that giants did exist, okay. If we make that that one small pre pre assumption, and now there are no longer giants, then right. the question is begged: What happened to the giants? And frankly, um, excess pressure building in the atmosphere seems as good a reason for there to no longer be giants as any.
0: So, the, so the idea is that we are the new giant. We are, we we are the we are the descendants of the giants. I'm I'm once stomped around there.
1: I'm saying that for the sake of an interesting thought experiment, there might be giants. Well,
0: thank you for that, Rowan. Um, I'd like to close on a quote by Terence Frong, who is an 18th century botanical physician, one of the premier botanical physicians of the 18th century. And they said this. If I have seen further and glimpsed the pleasant hue of the Maro land, it is because I used science. Hear, hear to that.
1: Hear, hear. They really don't make botanical physicians like Monsieur Frong. Not since the 18th century. Yeah, so Italian's like...
0: Frong, yes, exactly. Uh, Russian in lineage. Eureka now is meticulously researched, produced, and presented with the support of Tech Brothers new media labs in chicago illinois we are rebroadcast every saturday evening eight to nine p.m cst on wlpn lp 105.5 fm lumpen radio and rebroadcast every monday from eight to nine p.m cst on wiit 88.9 fm chicago if you'd like to get in contact with us which we i'm pretty sure you do you can follow us at EurekaCast on twitter and on instagram And you can visit our website at awcyfm.com slash
1: cast. Rowan, I think we have some other social media, is that correct? That is very correct. Uh, And if you do engage in those other forms of social media, please feel free to find us at facebook.com slash awcyfm or send an electronic mail to awcyfm at gmail.com where you can share with us any technological, scientific, or spiritual breakthroughs you've witnessed or participated in. Additionally, if you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the program, feel free to reach out at that email, which is once again awcyfmgmail.com. at gmail.com. And with that, Chicago, allow us here at Eureka Cast now to wrap these insights we shared in a velvet bag and heave it over your shoulder. As you take your leave and build a birdhouse in your soul.